What's up, guys? Before we get going today, a couple announcements and then your usual ads. First off, Skybox Sports Picks, world's best gambling handicapping website. Happy to be partnered with them. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. Just scroll one back in this podcast feed and you will have a full-on conversation of the Skybox Sports Picks NASCAR guru, Mark, explaining NASCAR to me like I'm four, the ins and outs of the sports, how he has value, finds value, handicapping it. I thought it was a really interesting conversation for the Wednesday podcast. Um, I am now kind of a NASCAR guy. I might sit down and watch Talladega this weekend. Who's to say? Probably not. But it, I wanted to for a brief second after uh, our conversation. Go check him out. If you know anything about NASCAR, you'll probably find the conversation funny. If you don't know anything about NASCAR, you might pick up something uh, via osmosis of my dumb brain and asking all the stupid questions I did. But go check them out. Skybox Sports Picks, they do a hell of a lot more than NASCAR. They're on baseball they've got golf heating up they had a 30 unit week at the masters a couple weeks ago you need to go check these guys out they're the world's best gambling handicapping website they're the inventor of the skybox matrix interval an advanced modeling mechanism that has been tested and refined through years of wisdom and experience that has propelled skybox to the top of the industry they got a package for you guys if you want to try a daily package just 10 bucks with my promo code 20 percent off rippy eight bucks uh, I would recommend going with a full year pass, but you can do a week in NASCAR if you don't believe me. If you're absolutely, if you're listening to this podcast and have listened to the past one and don't do at least the weekend NASCAR package for Talladega, I don't even know what you're doing. But they've got a season pass for NASCAR, a month-long pass. They've got it for every sport. They've got something that'll fit your price range. So check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Happy to have them as a partner. Podcast also brought to you by LB's. University Avenue across from Kroger. Checking with Greg as we speak. I'm texting and podcasting. Not to brag. Not a big deal. But seeing about the specials on the weekend, check him out. You know the deal at this point. Absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. If you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, you currently are getting a 16-ounce prime strip for 10 bucks. Hard to beat that. Greg's got uh, been rumored to have some real grill package specials going this weekend i'll have to check back in on that so be on the lookout for the newsletter to catch the update on that but uh free meets if you sign up to the rippy rights newsletter free meets and newsletters i think the free meets is probably the best part of that but uh sign up and don't miss out on the deals check him out lb's university avenue across from kroger gonna get another grill corner going soon probably not making it happen this week with the weird baseball schedule but certainly on the docket for next week Last thing I have before Colin and I get into a full-on LSU preview, which was kind of an impromptu podcast, was if you're looking for a newsletter today, I, uh, I apologize. Today being Wednesday, recording this on a Wednesday night, uh, just kind of my day job got to me today. I fully intended on putting one out, some midweek thoughts, some thoughts on Ole Miss getting Jamie and Brakefield in basketball. But uh, I'll make up for it with an Uber newsletter tomorrow, a lot of golf, a lot of baseball, some hoops mixed in there as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, nothing was wrong in terms of like the deliverability just kind of missed out on the newsletter today just couldn't get it done so back in the morning hopefully in your inbox by most of the time by the time most of you are listening this I should say so anyway here's a little impromptu podcast with me and Colin we went ahead and did an LSU preview despite the fact that we're uh, mulling the possibility of doing a live show tomorrow night during the game so be on the lookout for both of our social medias for details on that I think we might go live on Twitter perhaps Locker Room, which is uh, the new hot app that the kids are on these days. But uh, some way we're going to do some sort of live show during the game tomorrow night. So be on the lookout for that. But for now, here is a comprehensive LSU series preview. Let's go. 
Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Wednesday night. I am Brian Scott Rippy. On the other end of the line, as he always is, is Colin Brister. I appreciate you joining us for another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. That was definitely Johnny One Take. We didn't have to do that again. We, are, uh, we have kind of an impromptu podcast going. I've had like a hell of a week at work, so I didn't. And this Thursday-Saturday stuff is really just messing me up. So we decided to do a short preview for the people, and then we're still experimenting with our potential live show tomorrow, and I don't know how that's going to affect Mailback Friday, but it's looking like a Mailback Sunday to me. Uh, I just threw a lot at you. What's up? Not much, not much. Do you remember like when you were in high school and it got like to this part of the year and you're just like, I'm done, man. Like that's my life every day. I teach like 12 and 13 year olds and I can't get them to do a thing every day. So uh, just, just know that uh, us, those of us who are teachers, uh, it's that time of year where there is zero motivation for children. So I guess it is about the equivalent. I was about to push back a little bit because for me, it go, growing up in private school, that was like kind of the first of May, but I'm pretty sure we stay in school slightly longer than, in pub, than public schools. So the math actually probably adds up from a week's perspective. It's weird kind of how that happens because like you mentioned, in high school, it's like that. And then like in college, because you have finals and stuff, uh-huh. you can't afford to give up. But you get to this point in April and you're like, damn, where did the semester go from a social perspective? You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, the last yeah. two weeks of April are like fun. Don't get me wrong. Springtime in Oxford and college was the best. But it was also kind of sad in a way because you're like, great, we have two weekends left. Like what the hell happened? Yeah. See, I was lucky in that like in college, uh, 95% of my friend group kind of stayed there for the summer. So I, I, it didn't really like phase me too much. But yeah. I would look back and what, what happened to me is like, I would kind of screw around the first two months and then I'd look up and it's April and it's like, ah, crap, I actually have to start doing work now. That was another big thing. It was like that combined with the scaries. And you're <laughs> right. I had friends that kind of stuck around and stayed in Oxford for the summer, but like I was particularly like younger and this may just be indicative of me having way too much fun in college. Like I was just bummed about the energy going down. Cause even if you have a small <laughs> group of friends still there and like, I like Oxford in the summer, but just the seeing like that week where everyone moves out and leaves was just depressing to me. I hate moving trucks in May. Enjoy it in August. <laughs> no, I hate moving trucks at all points and times of my life. Like I think if there's one thing I hate more than most anything, it's it's like literally moving. I God that it like just the fact because I have to move my sister here in a few weeks, and just the thought of having to move some like furniture all over the place just gives me hell. The August one is the best because it's usually guys moving. If, if you're a freshman, obviously it's a dorm, but if sure. sometimes it's dudes moving from one house to another. And there's nothing, there's nothing better than seeing like a pack of bros that have like a full on couch, like duct tape down in a truck bed or some shit. And like, I'm not casting stones. I've totally been in that position before. I remember riding in the back of a truck bed with a kitchen table being like, please God, let me live through this next 15 minutes. But the, the inventiveness and the, uh, the daredevilness, which is not a word people show when they're moving stuff from one place to another in Oxford, is second to none. There needs to we, be a still photo collection of that one day. We need to, I, I, we uh, came up with a term with it, of it. It's, we called it redneck ingenuity. So that, that's what we called it. Um, but yeah, you'll see like just uh, people driving down, the tr- down, driving down Jackson Avenue, like with like truck beds wide open because the couch is too long. 
that is the, fa- the best part of the year. It is. And I like the redneck, uh, in- did you say redneck ingenuity? Yes. I just don't know how that plays for the son of a trial lawyer from Cali uh, that you used to have in the mix, but I, I like it. I like it. I mean, he joined, he came from Mississippi on his own. He did. He did. He did. He did. And that's honestly, you know, you drive through the country and stuff in Mississippi, you see that stuff, you know, 24 seven, basically. You see dude just moving, getting around and all kinds of stuff. Very, uh, very Mississippi. We, uh, we have a lot, not a lot to get into today. We figured we would just get on, since we were kind of indecisive on this Thursday, Saturday series, just go ahead and do a quick little preview. Before we get to that, I talked to Skybox Sports Picks NASCAR guru, Mark, last night, and I dropped that podcast this morning. And breaking news, I think I'm a NASCAR guy now. <laughs> I'm glad someone is. I, uh, I tried to get into it this summer uh when everybody else like when there was nothing else on and i just i watched it this summer because there was nothing else on but uh i i I can't make myself get back into it when there's major league baseball no that's that's absolutely fair but i just found like the ins and outs of it fascinating so i would describe it to you like this after hearing him explain it to me like i'm four didn't you kind of pick up soccer fandom slightly later yeah 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 i'm 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 not a big soccer guy but like on Saturday mornings before college football, yeah, that's definitely what I watch. So the more and more you watched it, that you kind of picked up on the strategy. But I imagine sure. the first time you watched it, you started pretty raw. Sure. So that's not really how NASCAR jives. Like, if you, <laughs> if you don't know the ins and outs of the sport and kind of the general strategy and who's pitted up against who, pitted up is probably a terrible term to use. I just meant, like, the different teams and the different cars, sure. not pit stops. Like, really, if you don't know a, a – a fairly hefty base level, I would say, you're toast. Like, you're not sitting in front of a TV and figuring that out. Because if you ever listen to the announcers, they don't, sh- like they, don't, they don't talk dumb to you. Like, those NASCAR announcers put out terms about tires and stuff to where it's like, is that English? What did he say? So <laughs> you, you kind of have to be very in tune with uh, the sport to, to, I guess, get it. And uh, I'm not going to lie, afterwards I started that Formula One documentary. Those two don't really correlate, but it was a big racing night at the Casa last night. <laughs> So that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, go check out that conversation. I thought it was interesting listening to him uh, talk about how he finds value in NASCAR and how Vegas. Now that's something I might be interested in. So you should go take a listen to the back part of that because you know he is a is is a handicapper now. He's not just a huge NASCAR fan. Sure. He sells his picks and does very well at it. Check him out, SkyboxSportsPicks.com. I didn't even mean for that to be a plug, but that was the second part. After I got through all the dumb questions, I just kind of asked him like, "Hey." Like, how, where do you find value and how do you find value? And it's interesting in a sport like NASCAR, like, you think Vegas is the expert on everything? He was kind of outlining how in particularly head-to-head matchups and some top 10 odds that Vegas doesn't really know and doesn't really pay attention. And so you can really find some really uh, crushing value in there is basically his, his, his summation of, the, uh, of, of kind of what he does. So, uh, see, I'm going to bet on NASCAR this weekend. Yeah, go check them out. Use the promo code Rippy. You get 20% off. Talladega's this weekend. Sure, if you say so. So, that's, uh, that's what we came here to break down. No, but go check that conversation out. It was a uh, – I had a blast doing it. If you know NASCAR, I think you'll like it. You'll probably laugh at me. If you don't know NASCAR, hopefully you can get a dummies level knowledge from uh, kind of learning through osmosis by the stupid questions I asked. But that's on the podcast feed. Dropped it Wednesday morning. It'll be right behind this one. We are not here to talk about NASCAR. No. We're here to talk about Ole Miss LSU. And I guess before we get into that, we can talk about the midweek a little bit last time. Uh, You know, I texted you when we found out that Jack Doherty was starting. 
I was like, and I wrote about it in the newsletter too. Um, you know, just kind of, Hey, this is a reason to watch a midweek game. And, you know, I got home from work in between that and recording the podcast and some other stuff. Uh, Doherty was long gone by the time I flipped that sucker on. I did not get to catch most, a lot of it. How much did you watch? Uh, outside of like maybe an inning, I watched the entire thing and, and I didn't watch it because necessarily I was interested in, because I, I knew Ole Miss was going to win. And I, I wanted to see like what went on to the mound and like see who I thought could actually contribute. So I, I watched pretty much the entire thing. Uh, Dowdery went, or Doherty, excuse me, went 1.2, gave up a run. Uh, he walked two, he gave up two hits. Um, he gave up a hit to start the game that, frankly, Hayden Leatherwood should have caught, and it wound up being a triple. Um, and then he gave up a, a, a double off of the, – the kid poked a, a slider on the outside corner and pulled it into the gap. It, I guess it was a good piece of hitting. It was a really good pitch. He looks like a guy that can contribute on the weekends, frankly, when you consider what else there is available on the weekends. Um, it, it would be a shame to me at this point if they, they don't put that kid into the uh, bullpen mix. So that sounds like very much you had to watch the game deduction, very much not a box score deduction because you no. get the box score and it's like, eh. Yeah, I mean, he walks too, but he was around the zone. And then, yeah, the two hits, like, they were chicken crap hits. I mean, it, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I thought he looked really good. And, again, you know, his numbers aren't going to display that. But, you know, 1.2 gives up a run. Uh, an earned run gives up two runs, actually. But, you know, I mean, he, in the first inning, uh, Leatherwood dives for the ball that, frankly, should have been caught. It winds up in a triple. He strikes the next two guys out, and then I think coaxes a, coaxes a ground out on the next pitch to get out of it. Kind of showed some mental toughness. I, I mean, look, it's, it's Little Rock on a Wednesday in April. It's not that massive of a deal. Uh, but when you consider in totality what Ole Miss's bullpen is, it's like, well, if, if you know, that kid deserves a shot. Yeah, and so just kind of going through the box score as I did when I sat down this morning, and to anyone listening, apologies uh, for the no newsletter today. I had the full intention of sitting down and writing a newsletter this morning. Alarm clock went off a little later. I was work from home, and as I told Colin before we started recording, you talk about the day from hell from work. Any of you that have desk jobs where every now and then your boss or whatever's going on at your company and just right from the time you're even like able to log on to a computer from start to finish, it's it's hectic. That's kind of what I had. So apologies for no newsletter. I'll make it up for. I'll make it up to you with an extra long one Thursday morning. I promise. Uh, that's what she said. But anyway, <laughs> apologies for the no newsletter. But when I was looking at it with the intention of writing a newsletter with the at the box score, uh, the thing that stuck out to me was the last four guys put up zeros: Kimbrell, Forsyth, Burton, and Diamond, all in inning apiece. Granted, the game had kind of gone to shit by that point, but it, you could make an argument that sometimes makes it harder to pitch. We'll, uh, we'll start with those last four, and then I'll work back sure. to the three in the middle. What would you think? Uh, you know, when you I, – I really want to focus on Kimbrell, uh, Forsyth, and Diamond. Burton, you know, yes, he throws a zero up, but he also walked two and hit a guy. And it's like that. that's why they don't put you in the game, bud. Like, and, and I'm not trying to be too critical, but, you know, everybody asks why Wes Burton doesn't pitch more, and it's like that's the reason. So, you know, he doesn't look – yeah, he throws up the zero, but he doesn't really help himself from a, you know, should he get more innings on the weekend. So I actually did, think you're he You're actually right. It was an unearned run. That was my mistake. Oh, he did give up an unearned run? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that was that. my mistake. I just missed that. So, okay. yeah, you're right. You're right. 
but you know, I, I'm not even worried about the run. It's just like you can't walk to and hit a guy when you're trying to, you know, get more weekend innings. But when you talk about Forsyth, man, he had a very, very sharp breaking ball that he was able to throw into the strike zone. Obviously, the velo 92 to 93 has always been what it is. I actually went and looked this up um, this week because you know I've been trying to think. All right, look, you know, Ole Miss has a bullpen issue, and and you have to like. I think some people are just kind of wanting to you know forget the bullpen issue exists and like just run Taylor Broadway into the ground. I think that's not how you win. So I, I kind of went and looked at some numbers. Um, that there's no reason right now that Braden Forsythe shouldn't be the first guy out of the bullpen. Uh, this is a guy that has pitched five innings against Power Five teams and East Carolina. When you talk about East Carolina, Indiana, and Louisville last year, and Arkansas this year, he's pitched five, in Texas Tech this year. He's pitched five innings. He's given up one hit. Um, one hit in five innings now. Uh, now, yes, he's walked too many in that span, but you know that that doesn't happen by accident, and that you give up one hit in five innings. Um, so. He was a guy that looked good last night. He throws his breaking ball into the strike zone. I think Kimbrell has two strikeouts on ten pitches. And, you know, obviously, look, it's Arkansas Little Rock. We're not, we're not you know, playing Mississippi State or LSU or Vanderbilt last night. But, you know, Kimbrell's issue has never been he's been getting hit. It's been he can't get ahead in counts and he walks too many people. And the, last time I checked, the midweek doesn't, like, change the plate. Like, the strike zone is still the strike zone. Uh, and he was able to command the strike zone. It's a great sign. Uh, and Derek Diamond, man, it, it, when you look at him last night, it's like that, that kid has to help. He's throwing 94 to 96 with a slider. He threw an 87-mile-an-hour slider last night, man. Like, kids got to help. They got to figure it out. And, you know, it's like I talked with a friend. Like, that's their job, right? Like, that's, that's Mike's job. That's Carl Lafferty's job. I guess to an extent it's Mike Clement's job. Like, he's got to be better. Um, they can't throw him in the garbage and forget about him. And, and last night was a good sign. He pitches a clean inning. Um, I think he actually walked a guy. But, you know, when you talk about the walk, it's like with his problem has never been the ability to throw strikes. It's been throwing strikes in the middle of the plate and watching Arkansas hit him into the left field lounge. Um, so I didn't mind the walk. Um, he looked good, man. He was throwing 87-mile-an-hour sliders and velocity sat consistently in 94 to 96. So it's – look. You know, it's slim pickings right there, back there now from talking about, you know, a, a guy, guys that are able to get outs. But uh, there were some positive signs last night, I thought. He's a, he's a guy talking about Diamond. It's almost not like, yes, the walks a little bit were a problem. I don't think it was a major issue. But he's a guy that's like – I'm trying to how to describe this without sounding silly. Like, he's a guy – how many times this year where it's like, okay, he's made a mistake or two, a guy gets on with one or two outs, maybe he gets a second one on. It's like, okay, you make one pitch and you're out of this and none of it matters and the ball ends up 400 feet over the fence. Like, it seems yeah. like when he's had to make a good pitch is when his worst mistakes have come, which is probably a little bit of poor fortune like you texted me about. I guess that was Sunday night. But it, it's not just a he-doesn't-have-it thing. He just makes mistakes at the most inopportune times. And I know you probably kind of agree with that, so I'll roll it into a question. Is he kind of like I, – I swear to God, we argued about – not argued about this the other night. We debated this. Was Zach Phillips the clean slate guy where Mike kept putting him in with runners on and he just sucked with that? When you can't put him in to start an inning, he was fine. Like Whether or not that's Phillips or not, I, I still will swear that it was. Is he a clean slate guy? Because he – I would don't know if I would trust him inheriting runners, but I agree that you have to use him. Um. I will tell you that 
I, I understand what you're saying, right? Because he's been a starter his his whole career. What I would say to that is like Zach Phillips, obviously a starter, ninety to ninety two left handed guy. What I will tell you is that Derek Diamond has strikeout stuff, and that if you needed to strike out and Taylor Broadway's not available, there's very few guys I'd rather ask out of that bullpen to get me a strikeout than Derek Diamond, if that makes sense. So the Diamond thing, excuse me, the Phillips thing, though, if I'm not mistaken, was not necessarily that. Wasn't he a much like, – he was a totally different dude out of the windup than the stretch is what the That's, issue is yes, now that correct. I'm kind of remembering it. So maybe it's not as big a deal with Diamond because of exactly what you said. But, yeah, they're going to have to figure out a uh, exactly, figure out a way to use him. Uh, you know, for, it's good to see Forsythe put up a zero. I, I think he should have been used last weekend. I think they could have used him in a couple of different spots, whether it was the, the diamond ending on Friday or, you know, we, we discussed Saturday in, or Sunday into the ground. That was actually our most listened to episode of all time by a long I'm shot. I'm sure. So thank you all for so – no, like by a long shot. I looked at the numbers like the Monday after, and I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I appreciate everyone coming, I guess, to uh, collectively vent alongside us talking in front of a microphone but anyway be that as it may I think he could have been used uh what did you, you Brent not great for Brandon Johnson it sounded like it started off okay but uh not oh, for that so so like it's one of those things where you have to watch the inning right because I think if you look at the box score it's going to say one inning pitch maybe two earned runs and, and three hits two of the hits were 70 mile an hour exit velocity singles up the middle. Now, one of them was a, a double that was smashed into the gap. Um, but, you know, sometimes ground balls find holes. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, the ability to get off the field with guys on base, that, that's not a great display when you give up the double there, especially when, you know, he hasn't had the opportunity to pitch much or any really in the league. Um, so, no, I, I don't really think he – and, look, I think he's a guy that can help Ole Miss – I just don't think he's going to wind up getting opportunities on the weekends if he kind of, you know, has has outings on uh, on the weekday that, you know, can justify leaving him out of the rotation in the weekend. Working back after that, Cody Adcock, has that guy a lot of run this year? Uh, no, but he walks everybody. And, well, he gives up a ton of hits and then somehow gets out of it. But I don't think he's given up a run. So, um, he's got good stuff, though. 93, 95, good slaughter. Uh, giving up a few too many hits, though. So, but yeah, I, look, I think Cody Adcock's the guy you look up two years. It's either in the rotation or as a dominant bullpen arm. I just kind of don't think it's this year. A couple of things to get to from this midweek game that I wanted to run by you. Then I got a quick game before we get into the LSU preview. So, uh, what do you think of the the lineup last night? Uh, it seemed fairly obvious they're resting Justin Bench because sure. back. you just want to get that kid to the weekends and just kind of kind of stake that pain tolerance out. Uh, same deal, you know, with Le not Leatherwood in terms of pain tolerance. Leatherwood's just not catching on the midweek. Maybe he DHs sometimes. Wait, wait, you mean Dun? You mean Dunhurst? Yeah, sorry, I said Leatherwood, didn't I? Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> I at do this, that too. Yeah, I'm looking at this full roster of a box score and uh, just kind of got sidetracked there. Dunhurst never catches the midweek. Sometimes he DHs. Nothing out of the ordinary there. Sure. There were two things you could call out of the ordinary. They took the red shirt off of Kemp Alderman, uh, which was. I thought quite something. He gets a hit. He struck out three times, and he personally left six people on base. Uh, strikeouts, if I'm not mistaken, were his issue in the fall. Uh, he was yeah. kind of a uh, straight ball, far curveball, not so great guy. Uh, I guess we'll just start there. What were your entire thoughts? Not just the performance of, but of Mike ripping the red shirt off of another uh, person in April. No idea, really. Uh, and 
look, I'm not trying to be critical of Mike here, but talk about an offense that I could, honest to goodness, make an argument is is one of the best offenses in the country, if not the best. Uh, this kid does not appear to be on track to contribute. So I'm not exactly sure, you know, and I'm not criticizing the thought process. I just, I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't think this kid is, is going to help Ole Miss this year and, um, you know, meaningful games or meaningful innings. So I, I just kind of really don't uh, know what the thought process is. And, and everyone will say, well, it's red shirts and baseball are meaningless. And I, and I agree, you know, good players don't, you know, uh, stay usually five years. Um, so if Kemp Alderman is good as is as good as they think he is, and I think that's certainly a possibility, um, that he's going to be gone in two more years. My my thing is though, um, why did you redshirt him to begin with? So why hasn't he been playing? I just, I, I really don't know, and and I'm being I'm not trying to be you know a, a jerk or anything. I I I have no idea what Mike was thinking, and that's not again me being critical. I just I don't know the thought process. Yeah, it feels like we – it almost feels like you – not you, like a collective you got to tread lightly when, like, questioning Mike after the weekend because everything feels like a criticism from, like, sure. a public perception standpoint. But I'm kind of in the same boat. I just didn't know what to make of it. I think I texted you when after it happened and just said, okay, at least he's trying stuff. But my thing with that was is that the lineup for the most part has been fine. Like, if he brought Kemp Alderman to throw on the mound, I don't know necessarily – Yeah, that was my thing, like – is he taking the red shirt off because he can throw 95 miles an hour? Because if we're going to put him in the bullpen, like, I can listen to that. Um, well, he was I, close I, to the bullpen in left field, just the wrong one. I just – I, it, but that's kind of my point. So, like, if it wasn't to be kind of a, hey, let's try anything on the wall that sticks, which talk about the team coming in town this weekend, LSU is pretty much trying to do at this point. I just didn't <laughs> understand the left field part of it. I'm not critiquing him because, I don't, like you said, I just don't know enough about the situation – I was surprised by it. I kind of gave him credit for trying things, but at the same time, the lineup, like I said, wasn't really the issue. They've been hitting the ball fine. Yeah. No, I, I have no idea. Uh, so, Peyton Chatney at third. Um, that was the next thing awful. I was getting to. It didn't look awful. No, but why not just slide – like, if, if you're trying to potentially explore the possibility – so. There's, this part's actually kind of complicated, right? Because the, my first thought was, oh, he's experimenting to see if you can bring McCants into the infield and get Justin Bench back in center. But with Bench's back one, is that realistic? And why not just put McCants at third? Um, the, the, the McCants at third thing I can't answer. Uh, they, they don't want to have to continue to let him learn 83 different positions. And he's played second base pretty much the entire year before they threw him in center against Auburn in SEC play. So, you know, and you ask a guy like Peyton Chatney to do it because he's, you know, obviously been in the program a year. Um, but I think that would be the rationale if we're discussing that from the premise that they're trying to get McCants out of center field. I truthfully think they're completely fine putting McCants in center field and leaving him. Yeah, I think, well, on the days Plumlee's in there, I won't understand that. I don't understand I that. Yeah. Well, and, and here's my thing. Um, ben, against right-handers, Ben Van Cleve really struggles. I can make a really good argument that Ben Van Cleve should be the DH against lefties. Um, against right-handers, I really, really struggle to understand the rationale as to why John Rice Plumley is not in center and then your other corner spots are TJ McCants and Kevin Graham. I, I have a hard time with that one because it just kind of feels like you're not getting any production from – 
uh, a DH against uh, right-handed pitching. So why not play your best defense, especially when John Rice is hitting as well as he is? I don't necessarily disagree with that. I got one more wild kind of idea to throw by you. Well, actually, we'll finish off this thought. The other part that I kind of had was, you know, if you're thinking about moving bench back, the back thing has got to almost quell that, right? Yes, yes. He can't play center field if, you know, the back still messed up. And, you know, obviously him not playing yesterday tells me that it is. Um, and he was hurt this weekend. You could just see it in his face. One last thing I want to run by you was, so if you're just, if you're Ole Miss and you're with the DH position, whether it's Harris or Van Cleave, I guess have been the primary culprits and you're just trying to throw anything in the wall that sticks. I know this is going to sound dumb, but I swear this, this is like my all look team kid. Maybe I'm biased because he, he's an MIS kid. Why not just try Knox the Foster there? What do you have to lose? Uh, uh, nothing. It, here's what you have to lose. Um, your DH, if something were to happen to Hayden Dunhurst. So that, that's why I think they've not given that a shot because they don't really have another catcher right now like you could put Kemp Alderman back there you could I don't really think Kel Baker can go back there right now with a hand I may be wrong on that um but I I don't think they have another catcher that they're willing to put back there so what happens if Dunhurst gets hurt and now you're having to burn your DH fair that makes sense but man I mean that kid was okay as a freshman he got 47 at bats he hit a ball over the fence slugging average wasn't great but like Walked a decent bit and drove in nine in last. No, he, he's not awful. He only had thirteen at bats. No, he's not awful. Um, I don't know that that would be my answer is that they don't want to lose their DH. But in that same breath, they've they've played those two together before, just in the opposite roles. But it was a midweek game. Like if you have to burn your DH against you know Little Rock, that's not LSU. Fair enough. Just you know, out of all the things they tried, just not bringing that kid who clearly well, has some pop. Whether it my is. my thing is why not let the uh, former Sunday starter grab a bat because maybe it's just like urban legend, but I am told he is a very, very good hitter. Like I know we've joked about Hoagland and Nikhazy, and I think Hoagland has some real power if they ever gave him a bat. The, apparently Derek Diamond is like an SEC hitter, um, and they've not really given that an opportunity. I kind of thought they might when they took him from the rotation. Counterpoint, Knox went to prep. Anyway, I, I, I didn't know Diamond was a good hitter. And I uh, – was the Hoagland thing actually a joke? <laughs> no, well – It didn't feel like – struggling, no. Um, but I, I, I don't think Mike and them ever got too serious about it just because, man, he can't get hurt hitting. <laughs> he just can't. You yeah, know. that is – I mean, somebody would you, – you watch, You'll watch your best player run down the first and have a freak accident, and now he's on crutches. It's like he, he can't do that. Yeah, that is very true. So, I think that was about everything I had from the midweek game. Uh, you know, Van Cleve, not a great night, 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. Kale Baker had another hit. And then, I mean, if not for nothing, no one was worried about Kevin Graham, but he did go 3 for 4. Yeah, it was fine. Um Little Rock was playing their fourth game in four days and was throwing bottom-of-the-barrel dudes. So, I was worried, though. They uh, they started the game. There was a lefty on the mound. He was trotting up there about 85, 86. I said, oh, God. But it worked out. Trojans were running on fumes. <laughs> they were. A lot of us. Um, let's see. Let's go, just go right into it. So, they, they transition. It's kind of a quick turnaround. I say kind of a quick sure. turnaround. You get a day off, but you go. So, as we're recording this, they – uh, play LSU tomorrow starting at 7 p.m. Obviously, 
Ole Miss would do very well to sleep. Could, can I read you a tweet from a uh, sure. good, good friend of mine, Wilson Alexander? He covers LSU baseball for the advocate down there. Um, if you're looking to kind of get the up and up on what's happening with LSU baseball uh, past their record, I would recommend going and checking out Wilson's work at the advocate. But two things I want to run by you. The first one was LSU relievers, Javen Coleman, Theo Millis, Alex Brady, and Michael Fowler will travel to Ole Miss. I don't expect anyone, including you, to know who they are. because I, I don't know who they are. They all pitched scoreless innings last night, and Paul Maneri has said they improved in practices. Quote, we're going to take some of the young arms and see what they can do. That's not a team vying for the West title. Imagine if uh, Mike just came on the came up to a press conference and said, "Yeah, we're going to take uh, Mitch Morell, Luke Baker, Kale Baker, and um, I don't know someone else, and just see what happens." I think Mike might get assaulted. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What if Mike just stepped up to his Tuesday media availability and was like, "We're going to shake up the travel roster a bit. We're going to shake up the back of the bus." Is essentially what Maneri's doing. Like. That, that may be – I mean, call me crazy, but is that not as good an indicator as anything as what LSU is dealing with this year? Well, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not good, man. Landon Marceau is really good. A.J. Labus is, is a really good Saturday guy. Uh, and then it's just a bunch of crap. Just a bunch of crap. And, like, you know – Real lost, bad. They lost Jaden Hill, who's a starter for them. But outside of but that – But he sucked. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that's kind of underscoring the point I was getting to. you right. He wasn't great when they did have him. But, like, you know, outside of that, this is kind of the team as constructed unless I'm missing something. And, like, we've talked about it, alluded to it a couple times this year um, when talking about what was coming for LSU last year had the shutdown not happened. And, like, this I think was coming maybe not to this degree, but this is kind of who they are. Yeah, not recruiting overly well. They're really struggling to develop pitchers. Um, Yeah, and, look, Ole Miss is – look, I mean, every – Every good team that LSU has played has won, have won two. Um, and, frankly, LSU on the road gets swept by Tennessee. Look, there's never a must-sweep in the SEC, but it'd be damn sure nice to sweep them because that, that is a – look, I know they wear LSU on their chest, and that's going to get them some cachet just because that's a bad baseball team, man. It, it, it really is a bad baseball team. And they don't, they don't, they don't believe it. And I know this sounds like six-year-old crap, they don't believe in themselves. They 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 play like they're going to lose just because that's kind of what they've done this year. They have all they figured out a way to lose. Yeah, they they win the first game against South Carolina last weekend, and then really like to kind of talk like underscoring what you're talking about. Just really lethargically lost that day night doubleheader after that. Like was it? Well, that they were up two to nothing in the last inning in the first one and blew it, and then it was over. Yeah, because that third one is kind of like okay, what are we doing here at this point? And, it just yeah, it's it's weird to have an LSU team come in here like this because you know the reason this was a Thursday Saturday series is because they expected this to decide the sure. when they put this on TV. So it's going to be kind of a weird vibe. You mentioned the whole LSU thing that they you know, wear purple and gold and that gives them some cachet. I honestly disagree. If Ole Miss had been going down to the box, okay, maybe, but like I, I don't know, seeing these teams, particularly the last couple versions that have come to Oxford, because that seventeen team that went to the national title series. I think Ole Miss went down there, definitely went down there. So, like, last couple of teams that LSU's brought to Oxford, a couple of them have been competitive, but, like, 
I don't know. I feel like that LSU cachet or mystique is my old radio colleague. Well, I, I guess my thing is, is if you're an Ole Miss player and you see LSU at four and whatever they are, four and 11 rolling into town, it's a little bit different than Missouri rolling into town at four and 11. Like you, you, you know, you're probably going to have a little bit more of a challenge than most four and 11 teams. Now, okay, here's the galaxy bring. Take, do they take it more seriously because of that? That's what I was just about to ask. Does LSU kind of get screwed a little bit because you go to Tennessee and no, you're not as good as Tennessee, but you still wear LSU on your chest, so they're gonna bring it every day. If, like that that kind of feels like we're that's screwed. That's not the right word, but it feels like they're getting everybody's best shot when they're not a good baseball team just because they wear LSU on their chest. It was kind of like the whole storyline twin the twenty twenty NBA season, the whole uh the NBA's revenge tour against the Warriors and Steph. And granted, Steph broke his hand and ended up missing most of the season anyway. But the idea with Kevin Durant hurt and leaving and Clay Thompson hurt from that 2019 finals uh, against the Raptors was like everyone's going to get their revenge on the Warriors this year. They're going to kind of can't wait to beat up on Steph. That's got to be of some semblance of what LSU's going through. I'm not sure. comparing LSU to the Golden State Warriors. It's just <laughs> the same idea of you don't really catch LSU like this just like you don't catch a Steph Curry, Steve Kerr team like that. And like like you said, like they're not – like if Missouri rolls in here at 4-11, and 11, you're just kind of – like if you're an Ole Miss fan, you're sitting there hoping, okay, let's not lay an egg in one of these and kind of get things weird this weekend to where like I don't think the lethargicness of uh, – I don't even know if that's even actually a word. I just kind of made that as an add-on of lethargic. I don't think you're going to have the lethargic nature here because of who it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, your Ole Miss will show up all three days this weekend now. Is it possible Landon Marceau takes the ball tomorrow night, shoves you against Ole Miss, and, and you lose a two-to-one game? Absolutely. It's not going to mean Ole Miss isn't going to show up. Um, I have seen some Ole Miss teams when you're playing an inferior opponent that you're better than. Alabama 2019 comes to mind. Kentucky 2019 comes to mind. Um, Ole Miss just show up to the park and just go through the motions and you get your teeth kicked in and it's like, what the hell happened? That will not happen this weekend. And, and, it, and it's frankly because they wear LSU on their chest. Yeah, I would agree with that. There was another one in there that was like 16 or 17 team with like Rollison the year before they got good. Missouri came in or maybe it was A&M and they, like it was a team they had to take the series to kind of keep their NCAA chances alive and they lost the Friday night game, but whatever. Both of those had, happened. They lost to both Missouri and A&M on Friday night that year. But then they beat Hauk and then back yep. into the series that saved their season. I think it yep. was probably the Missouri series I'm talking they, about. They did it in both series. <laughs> Right. They back into the A&M, too, yeah. I mean, that would kind of be a similar situation if Marshaw kind of sub, shoves in the sense that, obviously, they're I mean, he's their ace. He's not going any other day. But, like, Ole Miss, if you lose this Friday game, that like, you back-ending it is not like, oh, we saved it. It was, like, disaster, disaster averted. Like, it doesn't really help you gain any ground. The, the, this Thursday game is uber important. I keep switching Thursday and Friday. We just got to go with the number system on this podcast. Sure. This is like the Rippy Wright's metric system. Game one <laughs> – if Ole Miss win, like Ole Miss game one is uber important because you actually feel pretty damn good about their chances to sweep with the way Nikhazy's pitching if you just get past Marceau on Thursday right. night. Right. Yeah, I I hesitate to say this. Um, I, I have real issues picking LSU to win on Friday or Saturday. I, I don't – look, I don't think anybody in the country right now besides maybe Jack Leiter can beat Doug Nikhazy, so I sure as hell don't think LSU can. And then LSU's got really they, – they've shown no ability to pitch the baseball in game three of series. So, I, I don't – I just don't know how you can pick LSU to win on Friday and Saturday. So, it's 
do you think they went on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what the series comes down to. I agree more. And, you know, on top of that, you talk about the fact that it's a club that doesn't believe in themselves. We kind of talked about the lethargic third game last weekend against South Carolina in Alex Box Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was the road series for the Gamecocks. Like, it's one of those deals. If, Ole, if they lose a tough one Thursday and Ole Miss is able to pull that one out, and then they got to face what Doug's been doing to people on Friday – who is leaving that LSU hotel on Saturday fired the hell up to get to the ballpark? Let me tell you, I have not checked the weather in full, full, uh, and, you know, it, I'm sure it'll be coming an absolute flood on Saturday because screw me. Uh, if you get your teeth kicked in Thursday night and Friday night and on Saturday on Grove Bowl weekend, there's 11,000 people there. There's a chance LSU just mails it in and doesn't show up Saturday afternoon. Yeah, exactly, which would be absolutely massive for Ole Miss in terms of the math for their national seed, hell, the SEC West standings. Mississippi State's got to go to Vanderbilt this week, and I know people thought the world stopped with them losing two or three in Starkville. I get your frustrations, but, man, you know, State has a bad weekend, and Ole Miss sweeps. You're right, you're right back there. I mean, again, I actually don't know off the top of my head who Arkansas has. I'll pull it up in a minute. South Carolina. They're at Carolina. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's not a gimme. I mean, that that's a series. No, no, I actually Game think Fox. South Carolina wins that series. Interesting. This is our in- – oh, okay, never mind. You just remind me of something later. I'm going to screw up. Um, <laughs> I think the listeners, if you've listened, probably know what it is. Interesting looking at LSU's lineup. They got four – okay, it's really just three. They have four dudes with a 1,000-plus OPS. They do. They do. Who, who are they? It's Dylan Cruz. He's a stud. And Morgan's Morgan. a stud. And Cade Doty. All right. So here's the – what is Doty's OPS? 1,001. His OPS in SEC play is 660. Made his hay so, in February. Yeah. yeah. Like the Inco style. Or, oh. you know, continuing to do it in the midweek. So not not overly worried about Cade Doughty right now. But, yeah, those, now Morgan and Cruz and Beloso, those dudes are studs now. Yeah, so Beloso's kind of had a little bit of a tough year, though. Uh, he, you know, he started 30 – or played in 35, 36 games, started 32. He's got three home runs, 24 RBIs. But you talk about a kid that's kind of known for, for having a, a little bit of oomph in the bat. You know, he's only hit the ball – I mean, he's only hit three home runs, 24 RBIs. The numbers are down. But like you said, I mean, I've seen the kid play before. He is very good. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe in Beloso. Do you see where uh... – Drew Bianco is going to start at second base tomorrow night? I did. That was the second tweet I was going to read, but you know how ADD we are on this show. We just started going into other topics, and that was the second tweet. Drew Bianco is going to start. So my last trip to Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, Ole Miss ends up winning this series for the first time since 19-whatever, whatever that stat was that everybody liked to throw out. It was 82, 83. I always forget the year. Yeah. Uh, that Friday night where things did not go right for the Mighty Rebels, he had one of the all-time pimp jobs. <laughs> you remember this? Yes, I remember it. Do you, uh, That's where everyone accused Mike of throwing him a first-pitch fastball, and, and so he knew it was coming. Uh, I remember that theory. So uh, here's another juicy nugget for you, now that I'm not a full-time reporter. And if ben, on the off chance Ben Garrett ever listens to this podcast, he thought this was the funniest thing ever. They showed Mike in the dugout as he, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bianco Jr. was round. It's not Bianco Jr. What his name's uh, Drew. Drew Bianco. Yeah, that that has nothing to do with Mike. I don't think he's a junior. 
as Drew was rounding third base. And uh, that may or may not have been my phone background for six months to a year. <laughs> that screen grab. <laughs> That's not right. No, but uh, guess who doesn't feel bad about it? <laughs> so, anyway, Ben, I've been, I pulled that up in a midweek game one time. and goes, why is Mike your background? And then I was like, look at his face. <laughs> so, so, wait, wait, wait. Are you, are you get engaged and have a wedding at any point? Are you going to send Mike an invite? I might. He's not showing up. It would be kind oh, of a God, I, I almost said something extremely mean, but I won't say it. it, it most of it, so as, as much as, you know, I would just, just put it on the sat. Hey, just put it on the Saturday of uh, the opening weekend of College World Series. Yeah, and just, <laughs> just to clear, I like it. I like it nice. <laughs> just to clear the air here, too, because we got, I get, I get DMs from every now and again. It was like, was things really that bad between y'all? Like, yeah. Yes, you saw it firsthand. Like he, 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 I was pretty much just his stress ball. Which, whatever. I'm. Not, we're not friends. Like it was my. Like we had a decent working relationship for the most part. I'm friends with his son, Michael Junior. Yeah, he, Michael's he, awesome. Yeah, great dude. Like I'm friends with his son, and like at the same time, as much as I like to rib the guy and kind of make fun of like the you know him you know being a dick to me all the time. Um, like I, I, I'm one of his more ardent defenders and appreciative of the history that he has. Yeah. I've told my uh, B, uh, he, I don't ever call him Michael Jr. I've told him that multiple times. Like we're good friends, so like part of it's tongue in cheek, but it started like the 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 post game beef is real. I'll put it that way. <laughs> is that is that I'm a fair way to surmise it? I'm glad Michael didn't say anything to me on on Sunday because he could. I I was being very mean to his dad on Twitter and he 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 took it like a champ because he I think he still follows me, and he he didn't say anything to me or he didn't say anything at all. I if that was my dad. And somebody was crawling on him. I'd probably have to say something. He's 21 years into that experience wise though. You got to think about it that way. But uh, I guess one of the greatest dudes you ever meet. Love the guy sure. to death. Um, and like I I don't know if he off has. topic. Hell, actually, hell of a baseball coach too. That's Academy, dude's got him in the playoffs. Be, he is a good baseball coach. I'll give him. You could shout him out on here. This is a, he doesn't have to pay for this. I might send him a Venmo request later for all this pub. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we just got off the rails for like the third time. But yes, yes, I'm clearing that air. But anyway, so yeah, Drew Bianco coming back. You know, one of the times it's interesting how Mike and I's relationship kind of changed uh, over the last two years because one of the like kind of the biggest moments of my young professional career was the 2017 team that wasn't any good. That was Mike's trip, last trip down to Baton Rouge without having Drew play down there because the next year, his senior year, they were in Oxford. And then the 2019 team, obviously we just rehashed what happened. Drew was a freshman and I talked to Mike in in their hotel room for hell. I I think it was almost two hours right before their Saturday game. Um, Just kind of while in 17. Yeah. He, okay. I sat in the lobby of a hotel with him and talked with Mike about his career at LSU, his sons, kind of the way he's handled the whole recruiting thing with all of them being good at baseball for two hours. And they had a game that night. Um, and it was one of the more pleasant conversations I've ever had with anybody. It was really fascinating. Uh, I think I wrote that story for Chuck and them at the spirit, but uh, like, just like, I'm sounding old at this point. I'm rambling. Like where is time gone? Like, isn't Drew a junior at this point? Sophomore? Yes, he is a junior. I will say something real quick about Mike. He uh, 
he I feel like gives uh, special treatment to reporters that goes on the road that go on the road with the exception of you in Louisville that time. Like I, I feel like he has some appreciativeness of of reporters that go on the road with him. He does. He yelled at me at Arkansas one time when I was the only one standing out there. But your your general your general sentiment is well said. But yeah, he he is a junior, uh, not getting to play a whole lot. But look, LSU's been so bad that you know, and, and there were some LSU fans pissed off about what Wilson tweeted, um, saying they're going to play him because he's going home. And, and I think the general consensus from Paul Maneri there is. Look, we're struggling at second base. Um, the other kid we're playing is one of 20. Maybe playing Drew where he's back home and comfortable, maybe that gets him going. I, I don't think they're playing him because he's back at home. Or maybe it's because Mike knows him and he's going to get a first-pitch fastball like a lot of the message board said. That's another part of it. Um, <laughs> what, what would the message board say if he, like, took a first-pitch fastball in the middle of the back? He, you know, he got hit in that same game because a friend of mine, Brody Miller, I was like, tweet out that Mike threw at his son because I can't do it. That's right. I forgot about that. I think it was a breaking ball, but that was a uh, that was a weird game that I – so we've already seen that. If it happens in Swayze, I hope there's a lot of laughs. Or uh, I don't really know what the reaction would be there. Maybe Mike could – Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Gunnar Hoagland's not hitting somebody uh, in the back if it's not intentional. It's a good so. point. So, Drew Bianco getting the start, that'll be interesting. And to be honest – you know, whatever people think of that aside, that's got to be a fairly cool moment for that kid in the stadium that sure. he grew up in getting the start. And I know they've had a miserable year, but just kind of soaking in that atmosphere. I mean, I mean, he's playing in the place his father built. I don't mean to be too poetic about it, but that's essentially the well, case. And that's kind of all he's known his whole life. I just, to me, that would be very cool. Yeah, he's, he's playing against his dad in the stadium that, frankly, if you went to any inner squads or, or fall ball, like he, he grew up playing there too. Um, so yeah. And you know, he, look, you can do the LSU thing and Mike letting his kids go to LSU and all that crap. If you want, I, I have absolutely zero issue with that. Um, but you know, just for that kid, it's going to be, I'm sure it'll be special when he takes the field on, uh, on Friday. And I mean, I hope he goes over three with three K's and I, you know what, the guy wearing number five in the other dugout probably hopes the same thing too. He does. We've talked about this before. And, and the last note I'll have on that as well is I am actually a, uh, I'm actually very appreciative of the way Mike has handled that with his sons. Sure. Um, all of them. Um, you know, I've never ever gotten a clear answer if it's no, none of you can know this or just kind of steering them away. I've been appreciative of that because even if it is the no steering them away part, um, you know, a lot of times a kid 16, 17 years old, you may think going playing for their father in the backyard in the same town they've always grew up in is the best thing, whether it actually is or not. So I've always been kind of appreciative of the way he's handled that. Because I think getting going out and playing elsewhere, I mean, message board crap aside and the pressures and all that, I think it's just a good, I think it's a good outlook to have on things because maybe I'm wrong. I'm just guessing. But if one of them wanted to come play at Ole Miss bad, yep. enough, he wouldn't not do it. No, there's no way he would have said if one of them came to him and said, uh, I want to play at Ole Miss. I really don't want to leave here. I've grown up wanting to play at Ole Miss my whole life. They would be at Ole Miss, I think. I can't ever say that, you know, in an absolute fashion. But but I think that – you know what I honestly think? And, and I don't know uh, about Ben that's at Louisville. I think Mike took a lot of pressure off his kid because I think his kid wanted to play at LSU. Uh, I think you're exactly correct about that. I think you're 100% correct about that. I think there's probably a lot more to that than even you uh, 
Uh, and look, I don't, that's not insightful or anything. I just kind of think the kid wanted to play at LSU. I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm very much in agreement with that statement. I, I, again, I can't necessarily prove it, but I did talk to the guy about it for quite a while. Granted, it was one conversation four years ago, but I, I, I totally agree with your sentiment there. But anyway, kind of moving on off of that, LSU offensive, we kind of started got in that OPS conversation. They got three dudes that are pretty good. And then outside of that, it's kind of been a whole lot of it, but they are a competent enough offense to where if you don't pitch the ball well, they will make you pay. You just oh. want to shut them down well enough and then take advantage of their pitching after Marceau because it's not been good. So, yeah, you're right. Um, not good uh, past Marceau. Uh, we talk about their offense. They're, they're really looking. I don't mean to, you know, rail on, on Drew Bianco, and I'm not. Um, but the bottom three of their order between the Giacomo, oh, and also their starting catchers out this weekend, so they're having to play their backup catcher. has been horrible uh, offensively. I don't know defensively or not, but he's not been good offensively. And then, you know, Drew Bianco's had a tough year. I, mean, I don't think that's a secret. If you look at, you know, the stats, he's had a tough year. Um, so the bottom three in their order doesn't present a whole lot of a challenge. And I think, frankly, that's the key for letting Gunnar Hoagland get deep into lineup or um, I, I think that's where he's able to get into the seventh or eighth inning because, you know, three innings that he pitches against them, not really much of a challenge with their seven, eight, nine hole. Um, so I, I think there's a chance tomorrow that Gunner is able to do what he did in Starville, do what he did against Auburn and go seven or eight innings and, you know, give up one run and give every opportunity to Ole Miss to put two or three on the board and win the game. They do hit the ball over the fence. That, well, I, I – uh, Talk to an SEC – look, I'm not trying to do the source battle, but I do have one friend that is on an SEC staff that has played LSU this year. They try to hit the ball out of the ballpark every swing, and I'm not kidding. Every swing, they try to hit a home run. So, they're going to hit home runs this weekend. You just try to make sure they do it with nobody on base. Yeah, and it's interesting. So, I'm just looking at these stats. LSU's tied for second with Auburn with 54 home runs. Uh, Arkansas has a 16 home run lead than the next closest team in the conference. Arkansas hit 70 home runs. Well, Arkansas is what LSU wants to be. Like they they want to hit home runs as much as Arkansas. They're just not good enough to do it. But yeah, uh, Arkansas, like we said, they they try to do real damage when they swing the bat. LSU's kind of in the same vein, but and you know they're not as near as good as LSU as often, or not near as good as Arkansas is offensively. And they've been kind of a middle tier to bottom tier club in most everything else. They strike out, you know, they're top. They strike out a ton. They do. They're top four in the league at that. They got 300, or excuse me, they're fifth in the league at that. They got 312. Uh, A&M struck out 350 times. Good God. Yeah, A&M, A&M may be in trouble in two weeks when the Rebels roll in. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing to, to kind of write home about them offensively. They're really – they have really no, – like we kind of mentioned it, they've got a couple of relievers that have put pretty good numbers up. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot of bite to this club. Um, no, Fontenot's been there forever, but, you know, he's not had a great year. He blows the save last Saturday. Um, I've not a lot special with Fontenot. I, How many appearances would you guess Devin Fontenot has had out of the LSU bullpen? Uh, overall or an SEC play? We'll go overall. Seven. Eighteen. Oh, my God. That's what I was looking at their stats prepping for this podcast. And now you're at the point where seeing guys with, you know, 12, 13 appearances, like, okay, that's when they're heavy user leaders. They've gone to Devin Fontenot 18 times this year in 36 games. That's, that's an average of two a weekend. Yes. <laughs> Good Lord. 
And that honestly might be why his ERA and his whip is not really probably where it needs to be. It may be a lesson the ground. the kid. But, man, that's a that's – a, that's an interesting – so, I don't know. When you, okay, riddle me this. He's had 18 appearances, and he's logged 18 in the third innings. Well, it appears they are putting him in then the ninth. How many saves does he have? Two. And then Garrett Edwards, the kid behind him on the stat sheet, has more saves than him, three. Yeah, they're using the Edwards kid a, a decent amount, but he's gotten ripped up in SEC play. It's not a good pitching staff past Labus and uh, Marceau. Not good at all. And I, I – frankly, you know, when you talk about Ole Miss – look, Ole I'll put it this way. Ole Miss has a better bullpen than LSU, and that's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, Marceau's the only one with Especially when you consider that they got to pull somebody out of that bullpen to start the damn game on Saturday. That is true. What are they going to do on Saturday? I've thrown Blake money two day, two weekends in a row, and he's been pathetic. Um, you know, so I don't – I doubt they go to him for a third weekend. No idea. Absolutely no idea what they'll do. Looking at the weather, uh, Saturday could be an issue. Oof. Weather-wise? You guys yeah, not get it together over there. I don't even remember the last time it's rained on a weekend over here. I'd probably just jinx myself. but um, They're going to play Thursday without issue. They're going to play Friday without issue. Saturday, they're going to get the game in Saturday. It's just going to be one of those that probably gets stopped twice and is miserable for everyone involved. Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean – They've been fortunate for the most part. I mean, you had one game moved. Is that – they only have one game moved, right? Is Alabama? Do what now? Ole Miss only had one game moved because of weather. Oh, right? to my knowledge, yes. I can't recall. Oh, well, no. Put a doubleheader against Arkansas. Yes, yeah, sorry. Alabama, Arkansas, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, played a doubleheader against Arkansas. Um, But anyway, so that's probably enough of the LSU scouting report because there's not a whole lot there after tomorrow. So, look, if you get by them on Friday night, Ole Miss is – I mean, I'll put it to you this way. If Ole Miss does win on Thursday night against Marceau, because I know I just said Friday for the fifth time, you're really going to be kicking yourself at that point if you don't sweep, correct? I mean, that changes the whole dynamic yeah. of you look at the series. Yeah. I So, look, I don't think Ole Miss should – and Ole Miss fans should go into this weekend with a mindset of, okay, we have to sweep, we have to sweep. Like, you lose on Thursday night, you win Friday and Saturday, I think that's a pretty good weekend. Winning two in the SEC against the top 30 RPI team, Pretty good weekend. It will be hard to stomach for me if they do win on Thursday night and not sweep. And, and I'm not saying that it should be a disappointment or that it's not a good weekend. It's just, man, after Thursday, it really just kind of lines up for you. I agree on that one. Uh, before we kind of get to our picks, which is what I was alluding to earlier when I screwed up, this podcast was on about 45 minutes notice. I didn't really want to know what I did with – didn't want to know what I did with the schedule. So what if I make a promise to update the standings on our live show tomorrow? There we go. There we go. That's That'll what we in the biz call a tease. But we have one more. Uh, we have one more gate I wanted to get to even before the LSU preview, but I forgot. If you're Ole Miss, reeling it back into Ole Miss, situation aside, this is called the trust rankings. One, two, and three out of the pen, not named Taylor Broadway. Who is it this weekend for you? Braden Forsythe, Jack Dowdery, Derek Diamond. Hmm. So we have that's what I'm going two of the same. I had Diamond and Forsyth. My third was Mallets. No, not really. I just couldn't really decide on my Jesus third. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Make me throw up. So that has to be up. Okay, that's a that's a great place. We'll derail it for a second. That has to be over, right? That that can't happen again. It ain't happening this weekend or I'm going to jail. 
Um, I'll be there after. I'm going to jail. Um, no, God no. I, I don't know. How, I don't know how you send him out there again. Look, I I can I can justify Austin Miller. I don't really like it. I can justify it. He's gotten out some big situations before. I I have no idea how you can send Josh Mallett to the mound this weekend in a big situation. None makes no sense. Would make no sense to do it this weekend, and I would be extremely pissed off if they do. I know it seems like ages ago when we recorded the the in Mississippi State preview. Excuse me. And I was kind of ribbing you about, like, Mike, you, you were like, please, God, like, Josh Mallett is not coming in the game this weekend in a crucial situation. I was like, oh, I bet he does. I didn't actually believe it. I was just trying to get you riled up. And then, sure enough, it happened again. And I bring that back up, not to open up old wounds, but just to say, you, you say that, but at the same time. Oh, like, I'm, I know. No, look. I was in I disbelief that happened last weekend. I won't be shocked, and I will be, I will be in Section J ready to lose my mind. So a, a state fan of mine, a buddy of mine, that uh, that um, that he's a huge state baseball fan. I didn't know anything. He listens to this podcast, is what I was trying to say. Texted me after he listened to our our Sunday night show, and I thought maybe I was like, okay, it's not that big a deal. We just uh, like you know, okay, it's just one game. Maybe we we're a little too hard on him. That guy texted me as soon as he listened and said, "I told my dad as soon as they brought." He goes, "I don't even know who Josh Mallett is." But as soon as they brought anyone but Taylor Broadway out of the bullpen, I turned to my dad and said, I can't believe this. Yeah. No he watches Kate every day. <laughs> no crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just infuriating. I, and, you know, apparently the rationale was Mike wanted to make sure that Taylor could close the game. But man, if you put Taylor in, and we're not going to go back down this because I'm going to get pissed off again. You put Taylor in there, you're up five to two in the ninth, and man, there's a lot more options to close the game in the ninth than when if you're down seven to five. So I only gave two answers. So I guess to fill out, like to finish out this whole thing, is it crazy to say my third is Jackson Kimbrell, despite what he's done? No, he no, that would have been my fourth. That but he's been a left-hander. Like he, I don't think he's as bad as his numbers has been. No, no, his his issue's been control, uh, and, and frankly, that's who I would trust this weekend. I. You know, I have a hard time, uh, if it's me, justifying using anybody but the following in high leverage situation. That's Taylor Broadway, Jack Dowdery, Jackson Kimbrell, um, who, who am I missing? Braden Forsyth and Derek Diamond. I, I can't justify really anybody else past that right now. Yeah, I mean, I honestly – so if, if he had gone to Miller I, – I keep using last weekend as an example, but if he had gone straight to Miller, I wouldn't have necessarily hated it because – you know, as, as Miller it does not pass the eye test. Like, it doesn't look great, but he has gotten out despite a little sure. bit of troubles this year. Like, I wouldn't hate that. That was probably a better answer for the third. But, man, if you don't have Jackson Kimball contribute, you don't have a left-handed arm in the entire pen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they've got to get Kimball right. It's kind of like Diamond. Uh, that kid can't suck. And so, they, they got to kind of get both of those guys right. So – Anyway, big picture question. This is kind of the Nick Nick Suss question before we get to our picks and get out of this impromptu podcast. You know, we, there's not much we learned in a midweek game, right? But, like, at a certain point, I know Sunday was not that day. That was the whole consensus of Ole Miss has a bullpen problem, but it could have waited until after they closed out the Mississippi State game. Like, this is kind of – like, particularly when you hit a point in the schedule – where you're playing teams that are perceived as inferior than you and are as inferior than you. I don't really know why I said perceived. 
this is going to be the time where those guys we just named plus a couple others are going to have to pitch well or this team's in a world of trouble. Like, at some point, this bullpen thing, like, the rubber's going to have to meet the road because my whole theory on this bullpen issue was, yeah, they haven't been great, but the dudes that haven't been great have not been great in very small sample sizes, and Mike's been scared to use them. Like, at some point, all of these dudes are going to have to be used, and you're just going to have to live with the results, no? Yeah, that's see, that's my thing on Saturday uh, or on Sunday. We keep going back to him, but it, but it's still relevant. Had you trotted, and, and I know he kind of got ripped up yesterday. You had trotted Brandon Johnson out there, wouldn't have said a word. Cody Adcock, hell, Derek Diamond, wouldn't have said a word. Um, so I, I think Mike has got to be able to swallow his pride a little bit and use some guys that he hasn't used much to try to get out to an SEC play because the guys that you just kind of put out there aren't getting it done. So, yeah, I mean, look, this, this isn't a situation where you can just run Taylor Broadway into the ground. Somebody else has to get out, um, and you got to be able to find that guy. And the only way you're going to find that guy is asking him to go do it on the weekend. Yeah, I agree. But so, like, yes, they haven't been good and they haven't gotten outs, but, like, I'm trying to think of a reliever other than Mallets, like in years past where it's just gotten to the point where it's like they have to stop running these guys out on SEC weekends. There's not a single reliever on this list or any of the other, like, culprits where I'm sitting there thinking. Uh, I got what Will Stokes had to quit going out. Okay, that's actually a decent example. But he had so much capital built up from what that asset. Yeah, Will, Will lost some velocity because of some shoulder issues. but or He just kind of got worn down, but yeah. So that's a good example, though. That's kind of feeding into the opposite of what I'm talking about. That got pretty clear at the end. Okay, you can't run this kid out here anymore. None of these guys are at that point yet or even close to it. Like, maybe I'm just jumping the gun, but you are have at the halfway point at this point. Like, I just feel like, if you're calling the bullpen a huge issue, which it is, I'm not denying that. I just feel like I want more of a sample size to confirm the fact that he sucks, he sucks, he sucks. If you want to go down the list, I guess I'm just saying I haven't seen enough. They keep relying on the same two-ish guys and you know, using someone else if they absolutely have to. I would just sure. like to see these guys in some extensive work. Can I see Braden Forsythe for three innings of long relief on a weekend? Like, hopefully it never gets to that Ooh. point. But yeah, I was just going to say, he, he kind of feels like the one 1. 1.2 inning guy. Okay, f- fair enough. But can I see him in extended action? Can I see multiple sure. SEC outings? I think he's pitched sure. like two SEC innings in his life or one appearance or something. Like, can I see a new version of Tyler Myers? Like, or, you know, I don't remember the last time he pitched poorly on a weekend. Maybe I'm just misremembering. I just like to uh, see more of these guys yeah. at my point. Yeah, see, and, and, you know, a lot's been made out of he put mallets on the mound um, in Starkville on Sunday because he doesn't walk people. Well, the guy that walks the least amount of people in your program was Tyler Myers. And that, that frankly, you know, Broadway was who you should have put on the mound. But the second person you should have put on the mound was Tyler Myers because he doesn't walk people. And people are like, oh, he got ripped up by Little Rock yesterday. Okay. Does, if, if that's The justification was he went on to the mound, Mallets went on the mound because he doesn't walk people. Well, don't tell me. Don't tell me that's your justification and then leave the guy that you've asked to pitch a lot of SEC innings on the bench that's got the lowest walk rate on the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I Man, if, if this is not the weekend that Mike tries to some, get some outside of new guys, then frankly, then there's not going to be a weekend. He's just going to keep running these dudes back out there. The best way I could have articulated this point before we move off of it was probably just, you know, not being lazy and pulling up the SEC appearances. So – Braden Forsythe, one SEC appearance. Yep. Uh, Myers has five. That's more than I thought. Miller, five. Kimbrell, four. Mallet, six. Kill me. 
I mean, McDaniel seven, I guess that makes sense. Two of them are starts, but like, can I get to eight with Tyra Myers before declaring him dead? Can I see Braden Forsythe pitch for the second time? Like, well, I mean, let me ask this: How much longer are you willing to give? I mean, are you going to give Josh Maltz any more time? He's only got six. No, exactly. I'm not. I'm, I mean, he's got six appearances in six innings. Tyler Myers, I guess, about the same. But man, I guess I'm just misremembering there. I'll, I'll digress on that point. Why does Jackson Kimball have 2.1 innings of work in SEC play? Um, because he can't. Th- he he struggled to throw strikes, which I I think is slowly but surely getting better. Um, if he's able to throw strikes, man, Jackson Kimball is going to be fine. His, his issue is not anything but the ability to throw the ball over the plate. Um. So I, I I'm fine with Jackson Kimball. So we'll we'll see. I, I think I'm interested. I think that's the storyline of the weekend, right? Is uh who Mike goes to that's not Taylor Broadway out of the bullpen. Um and frankly I'm I'm hopeful for some new guys. I'm I'm hopeful to he gives somebody else an opportunity. Yep, that's probably a great way to close it out because at some point you're gonna have to see it. Let's get to our picks, which I've screwed up for the fourth week in a row, not adding up the total. But in total fairness, I had no idea we were doing this podcast until I texted you at like I don't know, 5.30 for a 6.30 record originally. So I uh, I played the fifth on that one. I eventually get it up to date. I don't think people actually care about our results. They just want to hear the picks through the weekend anyway. Sure. Two Thursday-Saturday series, Ole Miss-LSU and then South Carolina-Arkansas. We'll start with Ole Miss-LSU. I'm going to let you go first here. But call me overly chipper, but I'll go Ole Miss three. I think they beat bad teams. Same, same. Exact same. Uh, I'll go first on the next one. Uh, I'm going to go South Carolina, too. Arkansas drops their first series of the year. I like, I, ooh, I don't necessarily hate that. Uh, and back, backing up one more time to the Ole Miss-LSU series, really what we're banking on is Ole Miss to win on Thursday night against Marceau because I think once you get past that, it would really baffle me if they well, did the sweep. Here's my thing. It's like, yes, we're, we're having to say, all right, is Ole Miss going to win Thursday? But, like, yeah, Landon Marceau – all right, so let's just break this down real quick. Landon Marceau is on the mound for LSU and, you know, obviously LSU's offense. Ole Miss has a better starting pitcher. Ole Miss has a better closer. Ole Miss has a better offense. I think they win the game. Um, so, yeah, I think this week. I'll go begrudgingly Arkansas, too, just to be different, but I don't really hate your pick on that at all. I think that's a uh, – that's kind of a statement series for South Carolina. You know, they've crept up to number 11 in the nation, which I've kind of gotten to the point where, like, Okay, yeah, South Carolina is probably good, but in the landscape of the SEC, on you know, number eleven ranking by your name, you're almost getting to the point where it's like, okay, we're catching kind of a break this weekend, depending <laughs> on what your, you know, depending on what your Easter is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, no. mean that fully seriously. That doesn't scare you yet to where if they do pull off that series win against the number one team in the country, um, that's kind of like, okay, you have to really take them seriously. Alabama, Kentucky, uh, it's, it's in Lexington. Sorry. Prelips back. Kentucky two. No, no, I can't. I can't do it. I can't. I wish I could. Alabama two. I think I was. I, I know they lost that that one game to Auburn, but I think they're playing good ball. I I would go Alabama two, and I would have been closer to Alabama three than Kentucky uh, two. Yeah, Alabama two. That's what I'm gonna go with. I wish I wouldn't, but I I, I look Kentucky Saturday guys out. They they've struggled on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's gonna be Alabama two. I think. Florida goes to Auburn. Florida three. No, I'm not picking Auburn to win a game. You can if you like. I go Florida two. Uh, let's see. Oh, Tennessee goes to A and M. Tennessee 
two. Tennessee, two. I think Tennessee's lucky to get out of there with two. I'll pick it. Yeah, yeah, Tennessee, two. It's going to be tough. Emotional weekend. They didn't exactly play well yesterday in their midweek. Although, Tennessee Tech, very, very confident opponent. Um, their outfield yeah. is so gas. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go the balls, get two. Other marquees, marquee series of the weekend to cap this off. Uh, Mississippi State goes to Nashville. Let's, I'll let you go first here. Vanderbilt, too. I think State's scrappy enough if to where they get ahead in one of those games. I mean, it's, it, with as dominant as Sims has been, I think they get a game. I don't think State gets swept. I would have a hard time yeah. believing that Mississippi State goes to Nashville and beats Vanderbilt. I guess it wouldn't necessarily stun me, man. But, like, what's it would the, be. With the way the two teams are constructed, what's the path? You know what I mean? I, uh, it's not like State's, like, got a guaranteed – State's worse on the mound than on all three days. Yeah. Um, I, I saw State against dominant arms this weekend go three runs in 21.1 innings. Um, I don't think they can score against Leiter and Rocker, but I don't think they're – I think they're too good to get swept. So, I will, I will go Vanderbilt too as well. I think we had the exact same thought process there because State's offense was really kind of putrid against Ole Miss's good arms. The problem is Ole Miss only had three of them and only two of them pitched in a meaningful situation this weekend. So, you know, credit to State for capitalizing. I don't mean that as like a dig to the Bulldogs, but against those elite arms, and not to mention Vanderbilt's bullpen's light years better than Ole Miss. I just struggle to see State scoring runs. You know, even if – if they're going to have a chance to win the series on Sunday, it's going to take an absolute special performance from either Bednar or McLeod, and I would bet no, it's I, 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 Yeah, I was just, I completely disagree. It's going, take, it's going to take a special performance from Christian McLeod. Yeah, I mean, you got to win that first game. So, yeah. those are our picks. I'll put them in the how next hell game. is that, though? Like, real quick, how hell is that to know? I've got to beat Kumar Rocker to have a shot to win the series. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, just, that's the crappy part about facing Vanderbilt. I mean, it's like, good Lord. I, it, yeah, I mean, I, again, we used to get that question back when Ole Miss was playing good ball. It was like, does any of this actually matter? Like, because is Vanderbilt just going to beat everyone? I disagree with that train of thought. But at the same time, when you look at it through the lens of you got to beat Kumar Rocker to have a chance to win two out of three, that, uh, that sucks. I guess Tennessee did beat te- – did technically win on the day lighter pitch last weekend, but – that probably is going to be the only time this year that it happens. You mean they had that one kid hit two homers in a grand slam? Yeah, yeah. So, which that atmosphere was electric, by the way. That was that was awesome. Did you see Tim Corbin's like backhanded dig? Did you see that? No, that was not a dig. That was not a dig at all. That was hey, why aren't we opening this thing up? That's what I thought at least. That makes me like him more because my thing just – I didn't actually hear the quote. I read the quote, which is a yeah. huge difference in the age of social media. Uh, did you hear it or read it? I, I did both because uh, I, I went and watched his presser after it. Uh, that sounded like a man – let me tell you this. Vanderbilt opened their stadium up to, I think, 50% this week after he said it. Okay, that makes him makes me like him a little more. I thought he was being a, a – a, uh, Again, wherever you fall on the spectrum on this, I don't mean it like that, but like a COVID shamer. Like, <laughs> it's a damn shame all these people came here to watch us. I thought he was going at it from that mindset. That makes it a little more palatable, actually. So, uh, yeah. Tim Corby, still kind of an asshole. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, that's uh, those are our picks. That's all we had for today. Quicker podcast. I say quicker podcast. Hell, we still went an hour, but the way the Sunday ones are going. 
I, uh, I appreciate you joining me on short notice and then we will figure out what we're doing tomorrow. We're going to do some sort of a live ish show during the game. I've one got to figure out the way we're going to do this and two clean my apartment thoughts. I'm just going to sit in my recliner. So I'm not overly worried about, uh, overly worried about the cleanliness of my house. Although like mine, mine's pretty clean as long as my dog will calm down. You have a dog rep? No, guy. I'm in the I'm in the uh, the exploring the territory process though. Okay, what 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 kind are you trying to get, or what what are we thinking about here? I'm pretty basic, dude. I like labs and retrievers. My girlfriend yeah. wants to go with some hypoallergenic bullshit that looks like a teddy bear. I'm just not into that. <laughs> it's like I just want something that I can name Abby and that is very pretty and can run. That's Actually, it. I have this great theory with dog names or whatever. I want to name it something that you would never name a dog, but it's like the most generic human name of all time. Like, I had, like, Seth on my mind. What if my dog's okay. name was Seth? What about Bob? Chris? Yeah, Bob? <laughs> Fred? Fred the Lab? Bob. <laughs> Bill, the Golden Retriever. <laughs> Doug. <laughs> yeah, Doug. See, we could go all day, but, like, Seth was the first one that came to mind. Can you imagine if I'm just, like, walking that thing at the park? It's like, oh, what's your dog's name? Seth? So, I'll keep the audience posted on that though, because there's actually a good shot. On, I pulled the trigger on this before. Uh, before what happens with first? our baseball pod, new, new gaming system or dog? Oh, dog! We're 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 rolling out of quarantine, bro. I missed the uh, I missed the mark on the gaming system. I still may get one if I just come into come flushing some cash one weekend and get a wild hair. But the uh, the desire for the gaming system has gone way down now that we can do normal stuff. Okay. Okay. So, so no, no MLB the show in Brian's future. No, not quite. But uh, I will, uh, I will hit you up. Speaking of that, that's such a random thing that had nothing to do with what you were saying, but it's a sports thing. Do you a stat I found in the newsletter from a buddy of mine that's a big hockey guy? Did you see this hockey stat from the other night? I could not let this go. Uh, I, not I'm not. This? So there's a gentleman that plays. I don't know how we got on this topic. Somehow you saying MLB the show. Oh, it's because I used to like playing NHL when I did have a gaming system. Okay. Okay, and that I went to a hockey game this weekend, so I consider myself a historian now. This guy, I'm going to go make sure I have this correct, and I want to get his name correct as well. I put this statistic in the Tuesday newsletter, so anyone that is listening to this that has already read that, sorry for being boring and repeating it, but I couldn't get past this. This man's name is Patrick Marlowe. He has been in the NHL since 1997, okay? Okay. He had a 20-year stint or 21-year stint from the, with the San Jose Sharks from, two, from 1997 to the end of the 2017 season. Okay. He went off and played for two other clubs, went back to the Sharks, went and played for another club, and then signed a one-year contract for his third stint with the San Jose Sharks in 2021 season. This Jeez. So get ready for this. This man has played for 37 – played a game with 37% of NHL players that have ever suited up for a game since the league's inception. Jesus Christ. Not current NHL players. Not 37% right. of the league. He's been a teammate or suited up in a game with 37% of anyone who has ever lived that has played an NHL game. Good God, that's insane. Yeah, that doesn't even seem possible, right? I was like, check this guy's birth certificate. There's just no way that's a thing. <laughs> but 
anyway, that was a weird note to end the pod on. That blew my mind. I, uh, I appreciate the time, as always. We'll be back at it in some form tomorrow. Whatever live show we do for the Thursday game, I'll try to put it in podcast form if I can. Probably not a Mailbag Friday, if I had to guess. We'll go back to Mailbag Sunday. Uh, hot seat, uh, God, again. <laughs> but we will, uh, we'll check that out. So, dude, I appreciate time, as always, and I will uh, holler at you tomorrow night. Sounds good. Everybody have a safe and happy Wednesday night, Thursday, whenever you're listening to this. And we'll be back at it very soon. Check our social media uh, newsletter. I'm sure we'll have all that in there on the details on the live show. But uh, appreciate you listening and stay safe.